We had a tremendous move of the Holy Spirit last week, and I know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Spirit of God is here today. And last week, we just touched on the unmerciful servant, the one who wouldn't forgive. And I might say that 95% of that message last week was spontaneous. The rest was a few PowerPoints that I had. Tuesday morning, as I shared about wanting a fresh supply of the Holy Spirit in our prayer meeting, we have a two-hour prayer meeting on Tuesday mornings. The first hour, we're kind of on our own. And, and I was praying and asking God, do you even care what Donna and I are going through? Do you even notice? And as I was praying, I just said, God, I know theologically you do and you are aware. But God, and I've asked him one other time years and years ago, this same question, God, would you send a prophet who doesn't know me or my situation, would you send that prophet to come and answer those questions? Well, finished our prayer meeting, went to lunch at home. My wife's out working on the side of the house, digging up her iris bulbs, and guy pulls up, I'm inside, getting late, having a late lunch, late getting back, and this guy comes driving in. Long story short, and I'm not going to share anything he shared, but uh, he's an encourager to pastors. And I only know him by name and by sight. I don't know him, and he doesn't know me. But he came driving in. He had two cancellations coming back from Escanaba, where he preached morning and night. Two pastors had to cancel, so he thought, well, I'll go by and see Calvary, see their church building, and he's seen it online. And he drove in the lot, looked at it, and he thought, I'm not going to go inside because they don't know I'm coming. So he turned his car around to leave. He saw Donna on this side of the house up here, and he stopped to say hello and uh, found out I was inside when I come inside. I said, no, let's go to the office. Went to the office. He met Renee and um, the girls in the office and wanted Renee to come in with us too as he talked and he shared about his ministry. And then he wanted to pray for us and he began to have words of knowledge about our situation and began to prophesy over us, calling things out from my childhood that he didn't know. Same thing with Renee. And begin to speak words of encouragement into us. And I'm just saying to you today that I'm so glad that we're spirit-filled. I'm glad that we believe in the ministry of prophets. This whole last year, as one emotion stands out for me, and it's confusion. And I know that God's not the author of confusion. And so we know where that confusion comes from.
When I first came here, we had a retreat in January with the board and the staff, and we went uh, to the American for the night, and I gave the guys an assignment. You all can be seated. I got criticized for not letting you sit down last week, so <laughs> sheep need to be told what to do, I guess. But. And I gave the guys an assignment uh, like a month and a half before or something like that. I said, answer this question at our retreat. What kind of a church do you want Calvary to be? What kind of a church? And I reminded them of the assignment we got to the meeting, and I got a variety of responses. And the bottom line is, we want Calvary to be the kind of church that God wants it to be. A family church a church that is defined by a sense of community and trust and where grace and mercy are part of the culture. Forgiveness isn't something we have to work up to or have to think about. It's something we just freely give. Freely you receive, freely give, Jesus said. And I just thinking about this, I mean, God's just taken over here. Because I got a message here. Same thing's happening today that happened last week. The parable today is the Pharisee and the tax collector. Pharisees were self-righteous people. They weren't all that way, but pretty much that's what defined them. They were literally set apart, consider themselves to be holy, keeping the law of God to the best of their ability, prayed, fasted. From the exterior, they were everything that you'd think God would be pleased with, and yet they had inward attitudes of self-righteousness. And in their heart, they had like a caste system that were better than everybody else. Some of the characters, they threw aside God's commandments and made commandments of men and traditions into doctrines. They, they were more concerned with the outer purity rather than the purity of the heart. Jesus said that they cleaned the inside of the cup, but the inside of their hearts were full of wickedness. They tithed on herbs and everything perfectly to the tenth. Everything that is good, but the more important, Jesus said, weightier matters of the law, of justice, and mercy they overlooked. He also loved the highest seats and the public greetings in the market because they were selfish and wanted to be seen by people to the point of enlarging the borders of their clothes to look even more holy than what they were. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14, then Jesus told his story, this story or parable, to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everybody else. Two men, he says, went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. And you know the story. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. What this came to mind, Holy Spirit just speaking to me while I'm sitting up here and we're worshiping. We're standing on holy ground. And you saw people who were touched and moved into the altar to kneel down because they sensed holy ground. They weren't being Pharisaic. They weren't showing off. 
They don't care if you saw them or didn't see them, but they wanted to press in because it's holy ground. And we're standing on holy ground in this place. But even in the holy ground, there was a Pharisee in the place of prayer in the temple. The Bible says Jesus said he stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. And he said this, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I certainly not like that tax collector standing over there. I fast twice a week and give you a tenth of my income. The tax collector, the guilty one. Anything but self-righteous, in fact, self-condemning, stood off at a distance, Jesus said, and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. And instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, simply a, a, parable, a parable is simply an th- allegorical story designed to illustrate or teach truth in a simplistic way. Jesus used parables often to teach about real life things. I think, I'm thinking as I was preparing this, Lord, have I, have I, behaved like a Pharisee in times of my past and I thought oh yeah I did I, there were times I was so self-righteous that I was right I was holier than thou going through stages of my spiritual development and infancy and, and uh, came a time when I had to repent of my Pharisees and I was so Pharisaic that when I was a young Christian Don and I were young married that I felt like it was my responsibility to point at all the faults and all of the failings of my pastor. Pastor Fest, Vernon Fest, man of God, returned to Christ under his ministry, baptized in the Holy Spirit under his ministry, baptized in water under his ministry, got called into ministry under his ministry. He's my spiritual father, but I had so many things that he was so faulted for and picked him apart. I got on the phone and lit up the phone lines and complained to my mother, to my sister, to anybody who would listen. And they got to the place where they didn't want to talk to me. My mother said, you shouldn't be doing that. And she didn't want to talk. And I was mad at him because they didn't want to talk and chew up the pastor and spit him out. But you know what? Something happened to me during that time that I began to lose my joy and lose my power. And I couldn't understand why. Things and temptation that I had overcome and grew out of suddenly were back at me, biting at my heels. And so I thought, well, every Sunday we had a Sunday morning, Sunday night, we had an altar, a little church, a little altar, a small building and I stood in line and there's a whole line of people across the whole front and pastor would go down one end and he's praying for people as he goes down and he gets to me and I had my prayer all picked out it's like I'm just losing the victory I don't know why and all of a sudden right before he got to me 
the Spirit of God spoke to me and he, and he said, you've lost your victory because you have touched my anointed. Now some of you are going to be offended at that. Go ahead and be offended. And when he said that, in my mind, God's always showed me things appears like a panoramic screen. And I saw me looking down on me on the phone and talking to me. My mouth just run, 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 run. And the Spirit of God came upon me, and my pastor came to me and stood before me. He said, Tim, what would you like prayer for? And instead of my prayer, I said, Brother Fest, I have gossiped and backbit against you and criticized you. And I'm so ashamed, will you forgive me? Would you pray for me? And he said, yes, I forgive you. Prayed with me, anointed with oil, went on. The victory came right back. I felt clean and whole. And I thought, I was a Pharisee. I picked him apart. This man had an eighth grade education, formal education, because God... Uh, called his mom and dad to sell their very prosperous farm in Iowa to buy a, a tent back in the early days of Pentecost in the 20th century. They sold all that they had and bought a, a, a big car or truck to haul things with for a tent evangelist. It was the Church of Pentecostal Church of God and traveled across the country to do tent revivals and they gave them themselves to serve that pastor. It came to a place where the end of that came and they needed to make a living. They bought a farm and Vernon had to quit school so he could help dad pay off another farm. But God had a call on his life. He wasn't perfect. I don't think there's any perfect pastor. And he wasn't well educated. He mispronounced words. Some were quite embarrassing, to be honest. But he had a heart of gold and he knew how to worship God. And he said, Tim, God can do more in one minute than, I, he, than in a person's life than I, can, than I can do in an hour preaching. He knew the power of the Holy Spirit and he knew the power of worship that called down and courted the presence of God. And we have that here today. We have that here today. The Pharisee measured his worth by comparing himself to others that he considered to be inferior. The tax collector was despised and hated by everybody. How many love the IRS? And all he could do was just grieve over my sin. He didn't point out other people's failings. He, all he could see, he was blinded to only see my sin and my desperate need for God and his mercy. It says he beat his chest in sorrow. The Pharisee was praying loud enough so he wanted that guy to hear him, that I'm not like him, trying to shame him. The Pharisee beat his chest and cried out, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner.
What a contrast in attitudes. What a contrast. I'm not going to share what this man of God who came, he, what he didn't know was that Tuesday morning I was praying that prayer and my wife was out working on the side of the house digging up her iris bulbs, which are hers, by the way. It's not the church's. So uh, moving them to our home in Wapaka. And while she's out there digging, she's crying out to God. God, can't you send someone to tell us that you care? Dave, Pastor Dave, was turning around to leave, just drive out the lot. He wasn't going to come in because he didn't. He said, they don't know I'm coming. I'm not going to interrupt him. He happened to see her and stopped and walked up the, the walk. Two cancellations, time to stop, two people praying. I'm just telling you, God is real. God is real. I'm going to ask you again, like last week, we're just going to close early. I, I sense, we're singing that song. That's an old song. Catherine, thanks for picking that out. I think you were hearing from the Lord. Because we're standing on holy ground here today. The Pharisee and the public under tax collector were also standing on holy ground, but there was two different attitudes. And I'm not judging your attitude. I'm just asking you to come to the front and let's pray. Let's seek after God. Let's do some business at the altar. Let's pray for this church. Let's pray for the move of God. One thing this prophet, I believe he's a prophet, that he said, he asked a question. Has there been some intercessors who have sensing that God is wanting to do something unique and powerful in this area? And I well, now that you say so, yes, several. Several. Dave Ewer gave me permission to share this. He sent me a picture of his journal from two years ago. Two years ago, he wrote in his journal that the Holy Spirit says, thus saith the Lord, that your home church, Calvary, is going to come under a great demonic attack. And it's going to be bad. I'm just paraphrasing what it said. Two years ago, 2020, July of 2020, I believe it is July. When that happens, you stand with Pastor Tim. And he just happened to read it at his silent retreat a few weeks ago. And he thought, wow, God showed me that two years ago. Another thing that he shared as he's driving down to Louisiana, he called me. He said, in my prayers, God has shown me that there's a strong spirit of Jezebel that's operating in the church, and we need to pray against that. Jezebel is a manipulative, controlling, usurping spirit. I believe there's a great move of God that's going to happen up here that God wants. I think the devil senses it, and I think he's attacking. And we need to pray. If there's ever been a time for God's people to pray, 
Some of our strongest intercessors are in heaven now. I did their funerals. Two years ago when Barb Bailey came back from the winter, she came to me very, very distraught and upset. And she said, God showed me in my prayers, Pastor, that there's going to be a terrible attack on Calvary. A pastor, it's going to be really, really bad. It's going to be really bad. And I've been praying. I don't know what it's about, but it's going to be bad. She's in heaven now. We need to pray. We need to pray. Can we stand and and worship? Can you sing that again, Catherine? We're standing on holy ground. And can I encourage you to just come down and pray? To come and seek the Lord. To do some business with God, to intercede, to pray for your church. Can we come and pray as we worship? Father, help us. Help us, God. Bind the enemy. Send warring angels with flaming swords and shields to stand at the four corners of this property. And Lord, stop the strategies of the enemy that's arrayed against us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.